Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of the Encourage, Build, Grow podcast. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and today we're doing something a little different. I know, I know, I know. It's been a minute since I published an episode of the podcast, and I wanted to let you know that I am still well, alive, and kicking. I've actually been helping a lot of other people get their podcast off the ground and Well, you know the old saying, the cobbler's children have no shoes, and so I am trying to make more shoes. But what I thought I would do was share some of the episodes that I've actually been a guest on, podcast episodes, that is, most recently. And I I had a chance to meet and befriend a young man in the design space. His name is Michael Rosica. He is, as he likes to call himself, the guy behind the Young Architect podcast. He helps architecture students, ARE candidates, and young architecture professionals be more successful at school, at work, and most importantly, at life. Michael is just a dynamic young individual, and if he is any example of the kind of young people that are going to be the future leaders of the design industry, well, let's just put it this way, we're in good hands. But the episode is called The Transfer of Knowledge with Randy Wilburn, yours truly. It's episode 114 of the Young Architects podcast. So without further ado, I'll let you just check it out for yourself. Let me know what you think. There were a couple of key takeaways from this episode. One was that that you shouldn't assume that there isn't a better opportunity out there for you when it comes to work. Of course, your boss wouldn't like to hear that, but it is true. You should always be learning. And number three, you should learn how to get the most out of a mentor and understand that a mentor-mentee relationship is a two-way street. So I really want to encourage you to check out this episode of the Young Architects podcast. Let me know what you think. If you like Michael's flow and the way that he does things, please subscribe to the Young Architects podcast. And if you do connect with Michael, let him know that you heard about him from me. I have actually referred several design firm leaders to Michael, and he's had them on his podcast as well. So this is a great place. If you are a design firm, if a design firm leader, whether you're an architect or an engineer, I would highly recommend that you check out Michael's podcast. That's all for now. Cue the music and let us know what you think. Peace. Welcome to the Young Architect Podcast. Today I have with me my friend, Mr. Randy Wilbur. What's up, Randy? Hey, man. How are you? Hey, man. I'm excited to chat with you today. Yes, sir. We've got a lot to talk about. So, Randy, I don't know you as well as I know a lot of my other guests. Um, <laughs> you know, we have a lot of mutual friends and we've connected very, very briefly and I invited you on the show and I thought you had a lot of good stuff to say when I, when I didn't meet you. And so I always like to start from the very beginning. Um, back in the day... You know, how did you get involved in all of this I, stuff that you've been working on, Randy? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm certainly not your normal demographic because I'm not young and I'm not an architect, right? But yeah, but 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 it, but somewhere in between there, I guess when I was about, 
Uh, 27 years of age, uh, I connected with a gentleman named Mark Zweig, who started a company called Zweig White and Associates back in 1988. And um, a lot of people, some people maybe on your podcast know who Mark is. He's been in the industry for almost four decades. Um, I That's where I first got my involvement with the, des- the design industry. And um, I, that's where when I realized, A, I loved consulting because I had been a small business owner, but B... I really loved interacting with people and and that's where I got to cut my teeth in the design industry space and got introduced to engineers and architects, environmental consultants and planners and landscape architects and and got to really appreciate and understand, you know, these individuals and the amazing things that they create. And so that that started my journey back in in, in nineteen ninety-seven. And I've been involved in some way, shape, or form ever since. So that's about 23 years. And um, the, the thing that I'm, I'm constantly amazed at is how this industry has kind of remained the same in some instances, but has, mm-hmm. but has evolved too, right? Because I think people like you, and I think when we met, we met on a happy hour call with a bunch of other young architects and uh, of various ages and experience and background. But, you know, a lot of you guys have the same issues that you're dealing with over and over again. And so these are things that I have seen in the design space for, for more than two decades and uh, it's, it's people like you and, and other young professionals that have kind of taken the bull by the horns and said, well, wait a minute, you know, there, there, are, there, there, there has to be a bigger, better mousetrap. And, and I think that, you know, what you have introduced with your Young Architects podcast and some of the online programs that you sell through, you, through your website and some of the things that you're doing to help your peers uh, acclimate and adjust to coming out of college and getting into the professional design firm workspace it's important. We never saw that back mm-hmm. in the day. That did not, that was like non-existent. 97, that was non-existent. I mean, nothing like that existed. And um, it, it has taken time. It has taken technology to be able to advance that cause and empower, especially young people in this space to recognize that, um, you know, I can actually do this. I can, I can not only do my work, but I, I, I can, I can manage projects properly um, I can work with the leadership of my company properly and, and I can, you know, I can have a fulfilling career. And I think that's really important. Um, I, I just, yeah. I just see the industry as con- continually evolving and it, it is evolving because of people like you and most of those other people that I, I got to meet on that happy hour that we were mutually on a, a while back. Yeah. I've always said too, it's, you know, when, when I was getting my license and kind of coming up through, you know, architecture school in the early days of working for firms right out of school, there was such little information available. And, you know, with all the technology that we have, like, why aren't we mentoring each other? And that was one of my, one of my big inf- inspirations was to just start sharing information with the people who weren't so far along that I was. Yeah, it, it shouldn't be. I mean, you're absolutely right, Michael. It should not be um, a, a closely guarded secret. But, it, but, but for the longest time, that's how a lot of firm leaders treated it as if it was, you know, this, you know, this city of this lost city of gold that only a few would be um, presented with. And I mean, it, it's, it, it's not like that. It definitely should not be like that. And I've seen really talented people leave really good firms 
because they were not given an opportunity to shine and or they were told, hey, you know what, just put your time in and eventually we'll get to you. And that narrative doesn't work any longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it doesn't work for a number of reasons. It doesn't work because technology um, affords us the opportunity to kind of see other young people have success early in their careers and leverage that to either start their own company or to really grow within their own organization. So because we can see it readily and it and and we we uh, we can witness it, it's much easier for us to then say, oh, well, if that person can do it, I can do it. So it's like one of your peers looking at you, Michael, and saying, man, if Michael can do a podcast and if he can talk about the things that he's so excited about within the architectural space, maybe I can do it too. And I think that's important. We just didn't have the ability to see that 20 years ago, even 15 years ago. I mean, we were just kind of getting there. But now, you know, you have people, I mean, you would have had a you would have been hard pressed to do what you're doing with your with your your camp that you do with mm-hmm. with the event that you do every year, um, because it there it would have just been hard to create a platform. And now it's it's easy, and technology affords that us that ability to create that platform and to stay top of mind with the individuals that we care about the most. Yeah. So, Randy, what kind of projects you've been working on lately? Well, I'm working on a number of projects uh, with design firms. I, I do a lot of training in the area of, of leadership and communication and personal development. And I'm also doing, I, I've, I've always done some project management training and some recruitment and retention training. So the, the my experience in the design space over the, the, the two, two plus decades that I've been in it has been involved with uh, offering and providing a lot of the services and a lot of the consulting that design firms need as they as they move forward and work. So whether it's on the M&A side or whether it's on the valuation or ownership transition side, I, I have had some experience in that area, but I have primarily worked with design firms to be better at recruiting, at retaining their top talent, and then also at training and, and offering some type of professional development that will keep people coming back for more and asking the question, why? Um, why do they need to know this? Why is this mm-hmm. important uh, for my career? And so that's been my, that's been my whole area. And so since I got back to Zweig Group about six years ago, and I, I technically no longer work with them, I consult with them, mm-hmm. but I just serve this space. I, I serve the design industry. But since I got back, my whole focus has been uh, I've been doing a lot of training and a lot of prof- professional and personal development for design professionals. And the thing that I think is unique about what I do and what I've been able to do with some of my other colleagues is that, you know, we focus, this is the niche, right? I mean, I can mm-hmm. do leadership and communication for other verticals, other industries, but I just like working with design professionals because I always like to say, Michael, and I always use this as a reminder that, that what you guys do, you, including you and, and everybody else that's listening to this podcast that, that works in the design industry, what you do matters in our society. I mean, you guys mm-hmm. build beautiful buildings. You, you create great things. You are the reason why we have the built environment that we have. And I think a lot of times design professionals need to be reminded of that. Sometimes we, we don't realize how valuable and how important our roles are within our current firms. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's because the leadership of our firms don't tell us that. 
So yeah. we, we need to hear it somewhere. And so I usually take time to share that with anyone that will listen and remind them how important their role is in our society much less at their firm, how important mm-hmm. our role is in our society. Because, I mean, there's a reason, as I was listening to one of your podcasts and one of the guests were, were lamenting about, man, it's just, you know, having to go through all those parts of, of the architectural exam and to get to that point of becoming a registered architect and completing everything that you complete. I mean, there's obviously a reason for that. But the idea is that once you get there, you have you have a level of understanding and acceptance that only a few have. And you're then able to take that knowledge and skill set and and do some really great things with it. And so my advice is always, and this is what I always say when I do the trainings and everything, especially for the younger people, maybe those engineers that haven't gotten their PE license yet, um, or and especially those architects that have not sat um, uh, to take their test, that you need to persevere and keep pushing through because we need more people mm-hmm. like that, not less. We need more. And that's that's the challenge that we have, especially in this country. There they're just not enough really amazing design professionals out there. Yeah. God, it's so needed too. And one of the things I've been kind of ranting on lately as I've been telling people, you are not a machine. You know, there's <laughs> no. there's always more work. You're never going to get it all done. There's always more work that needs to get done. You're going to make mistakes. We have bad days. People get sick. You know, like you are not a machine and to stop like thinking like you are and we just got to just do more and more and more and more. Um, one of the things I've been endorsing a lot lately too is to just been uh, to take time off, you know, and to just acknowledge that we're human beings and not machines. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in that vein, Michael, if you think of it, I mean, as, as, as much as I know the pandemic is affecting people mm-hmm. um, physically as well as mentally, um, you know, this pandemic came at a, at, at a, at a time when some people honestly were, were burning themselves out and, and, you know, it's, this has been a chance for people to reset uh, and to find out what is important in their lives, um, both from a familial perspective, but also from a a career perspective. And it's given people a, a renewed focus. At least that's what I've heard from the people that I have consulted with. Um, I've done some online trainings now because, of course, I can't get on a plane and go anywhere. But that's, you know, people are like, listen, I, I realize I need to continue to sharpen the saw. I need to continue to get better at my craft. And uh, this this is giving me an opportunity to do that that I didn't have before because I was so knee deep in everything, and you know I was in the office sixty hours a week the whole nine yards, and that has all gone away and, and dissipated in the last two months. And people have had a chance to really reflect on how they can set themselves up for success moving forward. So yeah, so yeah, it's interesting too the whole pandemic situation. I think it's as frustrating as it is, and there's so many you know, people are losing jobs and, and being inside for months at a time. Um, I think coming out of this, things are going to look a lot different. And I think there's, I'm, I keep focusing on the silver lining. Um, I think showing up at a day, you know, I just think there's going to be a lot of changes that take place uh, at, within the profession as a result of this. And showing up at an office might not look the same and even showing up at all. You know, yeah. re- for years I've been saying, who the hell cares if, as long as the work get do- gets done, who cares if it was done at an office or at my house or at three o'clock in the morning, you know? Um, and so I just think there's going to be big changes when, when we come out of this whole situation. 
Yeah, you know, I think, you know, it, it was, I think for a lot of design le- firm leaders, um, there was there was some semblance of control that they had when they could tell you when to be where you needed to be and for mm-hmm. how long you needed to be there. And certainly it's been loosening up over time. And I've always told people, hey, be more flexible, especially when recruiting great talent, right? You yeah. can't recruit somebody out of a firm where they have a lot of flexibility with how they work and when they work and come to a place where it's like, listen, you be here from at eight and you leave at five and this is when your lunch is. And I'm like, you're never going to recruit that amazing person that you want to have join your team. And I think now more than ever before, it's actually forced design firm owners and design firm leaders to reevaluate how they handle this whole, you know, and I don't necessarily believe in the whole work-life balance thing. I mean, because I think if you enjoy something and you really enjoy doing it, even if you, you know, jump into your office late at night to do a little bit of work, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. I don't fault anybody for that. But I think that these design firm owners and leaders are starting to realize that, oh, wow, I can actually get some things done even when people aren't in the office. Everybody that I've talked to during the last two months that have worked from home, I'm talking about design professionals, architects, and engineers, have all told me to a man and to a woman, I've actually gotten more done in this space and I'm more efficient in my workflow than I ever was before. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, you're, you're, you're going to miss that camaraderie that the office provides and that I still think that there, we have to solve that problem, but I think it can be done similar to what you guys did with that happy hour where you had a bunch of people come together. I mean, a firm can do that with all their people, yep. which is something that we would recommend. And, and, and I would do it early and often. I just talked to a, uh, a firm leader of a 300 person architectural firm down in Texas that, you know, that primarily focuses on engineering, on, on, um, on education K through 12. And he told me that they are, he, A, he's writing a letter to his people every night. So they get a letter from the CEO every night, but then he's also having lunch with 25 people every day via, via a Zoom call mm-hmm. where he stays connected and in touch with them. So it, it, it's going to take that kind of leadership and that kind of thinking to keep people engaged, but it is totally possible and their numbers over this period of time have been through the roof in terms of efficiency, although they're not like really big on utilization um, because he just he's never led that way. But I just think that it's important for us to realize that there are other ways to do it and still reap the benefits that you as a firm owner or firm leader are trying to seek for your department or for your company. And, and so I think that there's a lot of creativity that can be utilized in this process. And, and I think some firms are going to figure it out and some are not. Yeah. So Randy, one of the things I've seen start to happen, you know, with kind of the situation right now is I've, I've, I've talked to a lot of people and sometimes, you know, a younger, more of emerging professional, recent graduate type of person might feel that they're at the mercy of the economy or the job market or this and that. And I've also talked to and worked with a lot of other people who are just like, I'm resilient and, um, you know, maybe have lost their jobs, but very quickly found another situation or another uh, work environment. So, but my question for you is what kind of advice would you give to someone about, you know, trying to make themselves a little bit more resilient to the fluctuations in the economy um, as a design professional? 
Oh yeah. Well, that's a, I think that's a great question and you're absolutely right. Well, well, first of all, I'm going to say this, and this is the one thing that I say to young design professionals all the time. I say, first of all, they're not making you guys in a factory. So there's only a good handful of really great design professionals. They're just not enough. If you look at, if you even just go out and you look at the needs that even a lot of firms have, even right now today, I have firms that are like, oh, I would hire somebody in a heartbeat for this, but I just can't find them. Mm-hmm. Um, engineers and architects can write their ticket for, for the remainder of their career. There's not, I mean, that's just, I just don't think that's going to go away with the level of need from an infrastructure perspective and just in general. Um, I mean, we, we, there are always going to be great opportunities out there. So my simple answer is for the, for young people to continue to evolve and not just say that, okay, I've got my, um, you know, I have my architecture degree, I've sat, I've got my license or I've got my PE or I'm an EIT and just sit, sit silent and not Mm -hmm. do anything beyond that. You need to continue to expand and broaden your horizons of understanding because it will inform how you design things. And I think it's important to read a lot. I think it's important to to do a lot of the things that I know for a fact a lot of design professionals put on the sidelines because they are so focused on their job, so focused on projects that they're on that they don't take time for themselves to develop themselves. Mm -hmm. And this is also creating another issue that most design firms in our design industry is going to have to overcome. And that is how do we handle the transfer of knowledge of all of these super talented older architects in these firms that are going to retire in the near future. And when they retire, if there hasn't been an effort within their organization to transfer their deep working knowledge and understanding of architecture as it pertains to whatever area they focus in to this new group, to your peers that are, that are, you know, that are just coming out of school, are five years out of school, even 10 years out of school, if they are not transferring that knowledge, there's going to be a real problem. And, mm-hmm. and so I'm just telling people just to continue to, you know, like, like in, uh, I don't know if you saw Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, you know, mm-hmm. they always talk about yeah. always be closing. I always say, I say ABC because that's like my thing. I love selling stuff. And, <laughs> but I always say ABL, always be learning. And I I just, sometimes I run into some design professionals that get comfortable and they're like, well, I got my degree. I got, you know, I got my RA. I'm good. Uh, I'm I'm just going to sit tight. And I'm like, that's, that, that's, this is the time to double down Mm -hmm. and to gain as much knowledge and understanding as you can and to broaden your horizons and even do some things that are outside the scope of what you do as an architect. Because it will inform, it will inform ultimately your design work. You know, it's one of the reasons yeah. why Google, uh, you know, I know they still do some version of it, but why Google gives people 20% of their, their work time to, to do, you know, personal pursuits. Because it will ultimately lead to new things. That's how Gmail came about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just little stories like that just are, are a reminder that, you know, that we can't. We, we can't put people in a box as far as that's concerned. And if somebody is putting you in a box, you may need to find a different box to be in. Yeah. Uh, because that doesn't help. I don't think it helps you long-term as, as a, as a, as a uh, architect that is providing the best and highest use of your skill set to the widest audience possible. Yeah, totally. 
I always like to remind people too, that it's really their responsibility. And, you know, if you're just going to show up to work every day and put it all on autopilot and you don't think about, you know, advancing yourself, then yes, you, you will be at the mercy of the economy. But if you're going to take responsibility of your career and decide that you're going to be successful and make the moves and, and to do the work to, to be successful in your career, I, I don't accept that you're at the mercy of the economy. I, I really, I like what you mm-hmm. said about, you know, architects kind of designing their way and making them just deciding how they want to uh, move through uh, yeah. the profession. So I'm, I'll be honest with you. I had some friends, I went to Howard university. I had a bunch of friends that went to, went through the university, went to, through the architecture program there. They have a very good architectural program at Howard. And, um, uh, I, I, you know, I remember, you know, just them going to, um, uh, take the, you know, take, just take their classes and go into their studio stuff and just working on a bunch of different things to, to, to get through. And it was a lot of work, but I look at what the, where these guys are now and, you know, the effort that they put in and, and where they are in their careers and all of the unique things that they're doing, things that I would have never imagined that, that, that they were able to leverage their architectural degree and that training in, in doing certain things. It was, it's just amazing. So I think that, especially for architects, that, that you're set up uniquely to, to, to problem solve at a much higher level than most people are uh, because of the, of the way of the, the training that you go through. So you do want to take that and then add to it because then it becomes, I, I think you become a much more, uh, as I like to use the word, dangerous individual when it comes to uh, the workplace and what, you're, what, you're, what you bring to the table. And, and I will say this, just another piece to add to it is that mm-hmm. I am noticing that design firms are taking this whole professional slash personal development thing seriously. Mm-hmm. You have more firms that are starting universities. I'm telling anybody, I, I say, even if you have 10 people, you can create a de facto university or they can, they can do something where they, they tie into your program, right? Where mm-hmm. they say, you know what, we're going to take everybody through Michael's program. We're going to take everybody through this program and we're going to help them uh, do that. It's the same thing that that young lady talked about uh, in one of your previous episodes. Um, she's here in, in Fayetteville and, and that's why it really resonated with me. On top of that, I, I just liked her gumption to come to her firm leaders and say, listen, we, I want to do this to, to help these individuals. There, is, there are some learning gaps and our company, when it comes to, I think she was talking about, you know, there was a bunch of 4.0. There was Kira. people that, yeah, it was people Kira that understood Lewis. four, yeah, people that understood 4.0 in, information versus the new, the new stuff that was coming down the pike. And I apologize because I don't know all the nomenclature within yeah. with regards to that. But the idea is, she saw a need. She went to the leadership and said, "I want to do this." And then I think they sent her to your uh, to your your annual program, mm-hmm. and now she's bringing other people to your annual program whenever we're able to have these programs again and face to face. But the bottom line is, that's it. Don't wait for somebody to tap you on the shoulder and say, "Hey, will you do this?" You create an opportunity for that to happen, and that's what she did. And that just listening to that that episode was a really good episode. Really, just it just it spoke to me because there are a lot of design professionals out there that are not waiting for things to happen to them. They are making things happen, mm-hmm. and in doing so, now you think about it, right? From a recruitment and retention perspective, just that small act that she implemented at her company is probably going to help retain some of the younger people that they ultimately bring on. 
because now they'll look at it and be like, oh, yeah, I'm glad I'm at this firm because they have a roadmap and a plan. And they may not know that it came from her, but they'll just know that, wow, there, there's somebody here cares about our development overall. And I, I, I dare say that, yes, there are some firms where it, that's not readily apparent. And, and if that is the case, as a design professional, I think it's incumbent upon the individuals listening to this to take it upon themselves to make it happen. Mm-hmm. But if you're fortunate enough to be at a firm where they are making these programs available and you're not taking advantage of them, well, my simple response is shame on you because you need to be taking advantage of it. And it's not to shame you in any way. I'm just saying, listen, yeah. wake up. It's it's time for you to to take advantage of this stuff because this will benefit you down the road. You don't know if you'll walk out and start your own company. Mm-hmm. There are a number of factors, you know, that you have to think about. And I, I would just say you have to act as if, you know, you want to be a certain place. It's, it's kind of the same way that I, I described to my son. We have, a, we have a, a duplex property that we own. And my son's always like, well, I, I don't want to do that side. That's not my side of, of the house to work on. I don't want to rake the leaves over there. I'm like, listen, <laughs> do you understand? This whole building is yours. You own the whole thing. Even if you mm-hmm. only live on one side, you still own the whole building. And it, it, it never, it just, he's, he's 15, he's still young and still learning things. And I think his, his mind is melded by Fortnite, but <laughs> the bot, the bottom line is he finally got it. He was like, okay, I, I understand what you're saying. You know, I need to take care of this as if it's my own because it is. Mm-hmm. And it's in the same way that I, I would tell design professionals, you need to, even if you, you know, you have a role within a company, you need to act as if it's your company. You need to take on, don't, don't say, oh, well, somebody else higher up will think about that. They'll eventually get to it. No, if you see a hole and you need to fill it, fill it. And, and that's what, uh, that's what that young lady did. And, and I certainly applaud her for those efforts uh, among all the other amazing things that she did with her running and all that other good stuff. But I mean, I, I got to say that, that um, the sky is the limit, I think, mm-hmm. for architects in this space. And even now with everything that's going on, there's still a lot of work being done. Uh, I was just talking to a friend the other day. I think $2 billion worth of infrastructure work has has just been um, funded in Florida and some other places. I mean, you, you're seeing it all over the place. And so I, I, I know that, you know, there are some places that are struggling, but, um, you know, an architect, a, a good architect and their skill set travels well. Yes. And, 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 and so that my thing is don't, don't worry about it. Cause even if, even if it's dry and barren where you are, the water's flowing mm-hmm. someplace else. So don't get caught in this mindset that, Oh, I can't pick up and go someplace else if there isn't a better opportunity for me. And that, and unfortunately some people do that because all they see is what's right in front of them mm-hmm. and not what, what could be. Yep. They see the way it is. The projects they have now are going to be the projects we have forever when, yeah. you know, it's no. all about adapting to change. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it, it is a huge difference. And uh, I think that, um, I think this is a, again, we're, we're in unique times. I think as of the day that we're recording this, some of the worst economic news that has gone out there. But for the most part, most of the, most of the people that I'm talking to are, are, are still hanging in there. And, and again, and even if even if something comes up and you get a, get that dreaded call where they're saying, "Hey, we're going to have to cut back, or we're going to have to let you go for a period of time until we can get things going," well, there are other opportunities out there. 
And I think that design professionals need to need to always be learning. And they all uh, they also I'll add this one. And I'm just making this up in my head because it does make sense. They need to always be marketing. Yeah. They need to always be, be be putting their best foot forward so that people can see it and see the value, you know, and say, oh, okay, well, this is not working. Well, then, you know, maybe I need to look at another option. Yeah. And what does that option look like? Okay, I've, I've, I've left this firm. Okay, great. I'm going to put my hat out there and I'm going to let people know that I'm for hire on a project by project basis. One of the things that I've said, and this is this is actually how how Adam and I connected, we, I talked about the gig economy and how I thought that, and, and I still think that this is going to happen at some point in time, that there, there will be opportunities for design professionals to work very progressively in the gig economy on the design industry side of things where you could be an outstanding uh, job captain or you could be an outstanding project architect that, you know, after a while, you know, you work on a project and then you want to move on to something else, or maybe Mm -hmm. you want to go, you know, serve the poor somewhere in India for a couple of months. And you can't do that in a normal career as an architect because companies don't want you to just go off to India to serve the poor for a period of time. So maybe you have an opportunity where in a gig professional environment, you have that opportunity where you can go from project to project and work on them. And then when that project's up, you go, maybe go do something that you really enjoy doing uh, in addition to the design work that you enjoy doing. I just think that a lot of that is coming. So with this whole mm-hmm. remote, this whole movement to remote work and people realizing, oh yep. my God, we can actually do this. You're going to see a loosening up of ideas and mindsets behind how design firms run. And I yeah. would say like in the next next two to three years, there's going to be way more flexibility than this industry has ever seen when it comes to work, when it comes to how um, firms employ people, and there are going to be there's going to be a subset of design professionals that are going to say, you know what, I'm going to work from a project to project um, perspective, not necessarily work at one firm for the next ten or fifteen years or twenty years. I mean, it just doesn't, you know. I think the average person coming out of school now is going to have ten to fifteen plus jobs in their career, whereas mm-hmm. when I got out of college in '91 the average person coming out of school was maybe going to have three or four jobs. So it's, it's much different now. Yeah. And you know, my, and my mother worked at the same company the whole time when she got out of school, got her master's degree, she taught school for 35 years. That was it, you know, and, and that was, uh, you know, that was the deal. So it has changed a lot and there's nothing wrong with that. So um, that's just the, the evolution of times. I'm already seeing it. I've seen, I probably could say I've seen about five or six friends of mine who were working for companies. They, you know, decided they're starting their own business or entrepreneurship adventure. And uh, what they did is they ended up leaving the day job, but they would work, keep working for the company as a consultant and then maybe work on another project, come into another company for a couple of weeks, help them finish a project. And while they're working and building their own brand and their side business. And so I keep seeing this with a lot of my friends is just, you know, freelancing and doing consultant work on a contract basis has been uh, an amazing stepping stone for them to kind of uh, step into building their own, their own business or firm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I know that there is, you know, my simple advice to anyone listening to this and to what you just said is, yes, I get it. There is some fear involved, right? There is that unknown, which is why, A, you need to be saving your money, not, not buying a bunch of frivolous stuff because you never know when you're going to need to pivot 
And sometimes that pivot's going to require you to have a little bit of a nest egg to rely on as you kind of get up to speed. And, and, and that is, that's the difference, right? When you're prepared for that pivot, when you're prepared to, to make a move, um, it's much easier for you to do that. But if you are, if making a move in your mind is like, well, I've got to make sure that this paycheck's coming in because if I don't get that, then I'm totally screwed. It's a whole different mindset. And, and it gets into other conversations that I would have with any young design professional, but mm-hmm. I, and that's all I tell them. I mean, I, I give a lot of unsolicited advice, but I'm like, listen, save your money, put stuff. I mean, like, listen, it's going to rain. Like it's raining right now, like metaphorically yeah. from, you know, like my grandmother used to say, there's always going to be a rainy day. You need to save money. And that's what I would tell young people now is that, you know, you need to save as much as you can because it is going to rain inevitably. Murphy will come to visit. Things will happen. But generally when you, when you plan like that, then you're able to endure that. And that's the difference that we're seeing even in our society right now. You have people that have planned for this and they're like, yeah, this is really not comfortable, but I'll get through it. And then you have others that are like, oh my mm-hmm. God, I'm screwed. Yeah. And, and that is the reality of where our society is as far as that's concerned. But these are age old lessons that we've heard, whether we heard them from our grandparents or our parents or somebody else that was in our life that spoke into our life and was constantly giving us good advice, even though at the time they sounded like Charlie Brown's teacher to us because yeah. it was the same <laughs> stuff they were saying over and over again. Yeah. Listen, that stuff, there's a reason why that stuff comes up and it, it never changes. It never changes. Totally. And what I've learned too is, and this is going to sound insensitive, so I'm going to talk about myself, my own personal situation, but I think sometimes being uncomfortable is actually a great thing as well. You know, I had such an uncomfortable experience in the last, in the 2000, it was around 2010, 2009, I was out of work, really barely paying my bills. I was, everything was kind of at a standstill and I was terrified. But as weird as it says, and now that we've gotten past it, I, I think living through that situation really lit a fire under my ass. And yeah. it really helped me kind of get clear about what my priorities are. And just that, that fire and that kick in the butt really gave me tremendous power to, to figure things out very quickly. And Yeah, that's, you're absolutely right. I mean, and that's, that's sometimes you need that, right? And I think mm-hmm. a good, a friend of mine, um, and, and maybe some of your folks have heard of him. His name is Pat Flynn. He has a program called the Smart Passive Income. But Pat came out of the architectural space. I mean, he's, he's a, uh, a University of California at Berkeley graduate, really smart guy, worked at a design firm. He was moving up uh, into like a job captain role, but eventually they let him go right around 2008. And that's when he created the Green Exam Academy um, that, that kind of helped him pivot. And he dealt with those same fears and just the fact that, oh my God, you know, his whole identity was caught up in his career as an architect. And, you know, it was basically being in his mind being taken from him. But at the same time, he was like, no, I I need to take control of this situation and make something happen for myself. Uh, Similar to what you said and what you experienced in 2010, 2011. And he's never looked back from there. And um, I mean, he's no longer in the architectural space, but he leveraged his skill set in that area to, to launch him into even bigger things. And it started with that green exam Academy that he created that he's actually still making money on till this day. Mm-hmm. And just little simple things like that, but uh, you know, I think that opportunity is out there for everybody. 
And so that's, I, that example is a perfect example why you never, you know, sometimes things happen for a reason and you might get let go from a company that you were at, and it, but it doesn't define who you are. I, I tell people they're never defined by the company that they work for. They're defined by who they are as individuals. Um, and so that, that is, um, you know, too often though, we see people that are so caught up, their identity is so wrapped up in the company that they're a part of that it's hard to separate the two. And I just yeah. think that in this day and age, you need to recognize who you are, why you went into architecture in the first place, what it means to you. Maybe it's because a, a parent or somebody else was an architect previously, or you know, maybe you just have a fascination with Mike Brady. I don't know. But the <laughs> bottom line is, that's a reference. I mean, some people might not get that, but anybody that watched the Brady Bunch, Mike Brady was an architect. So I always thought that was funny. But anyway, um, he always used to seem to be working, right? Every time yeah. you see him, and yep. he was always at his drafting <laughs> table working away, although people don't even use drafting tables anymore. So it's, it's, it's a lot different nowadays. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's just this idea that, that, that you need to, those are some of the things that you need to consider. And um, I, think, I just think it's, I think it's, I think it's wide open right now, more, more than ever before. And yes, we are in tough times, but I just think there's just some tremendous opportunities out there especially for those that are professionals in an area where, you know, we're going to continue to build. I mean, this society, if this society stops building, we've got really big problems. Yep. And I don't, I don't see that happening. I mean, 80, what 85 was it? 85% of the bridges in the United States are deteriorating to a point that they need to either be replaced. And I, there's some crazy statistic, but our infrastructure is it needs a a, a, re, a redo, and um, we could not do it without you guys, whether it's buildings or bridges. I mean, it just mm-hmm. it's it, it has to be done, and um, it may take a long time, but that that's just job security, right? I mean, there's just going to be opportunities for for the, for your listening audience to to always be doing something, and and maybe doing it in a way where they truly get to call the shots. And it's not like you look at some other industries or some other verticals where it's like, man, if things don't work out, what do I do? Right? I mean, what happens in the auto industry? It's a much different situation. So every vertical is different, but I think I look at design professionals as, as being in a very unique position, you know, over the next 20 to 30 to 40 years in terms of what they can do and what they can build. Love it. Randy, let's do a podcast edit right here and go offline. Sure. And uh, I wanted to ask, is there anything else that we, you wanted to chat about before we dive into those questions and wrap it up? Um, I can't really, I mean, I can't really think of anything. I mean, I spoke to, I spoke to the, the importance of, I think, getting that education. And you, mean, you, mm-hmm. you mentioned the whole mentoring piece. I would say, I would like to talk maybe a little bit about that and how it's important if, if you have a lot of your listeners or if people that are listening to this haven't identified and or found a good mentor, they need mm-hmm. to find one. Yeah. And I also believe that they don't always need to be, uh, they don't always need to be somebody that's in your profession. Yes. Um, right. I think it's important to understand that. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let me, uh, let me lead in with a question. Okay, sure. So Randy, Mentorship has always been a really hot topic. Uh, I was kind of curious what your thoughts on on mentorship were. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, Michael. I, I, yeah, mentoring is is really. I think it's really important. I actually had a chance to spend some time doing some research on it. I've I've always had mentors in my life in some way, shape, or form, or people that I could speak to that I gave license to give me some advice, whether I liked it or not. 
And um, I think, uh, first of all, a, a good mentoring relationship can really benefit anyone, period. But especially design professionals, I see mentoring as being an area where firm design firm leaders and design firm owners could, could if they were to be really intentional about creating a mentoring program, or at least if nothing else, helping to define what real mentoring and mentorship is all about, um, that, that, that their people could really benefit from it. And what I mean by that is simply that, um, you, first of all, you need to understand what a real true mentoring relationship is. There's mentoring and there's coaching and there are some differences. And I think that, you know, when you coach, you really are coaching within the area of your skill set, within the area of certain abilities that you have. But when you're mentoring, it's, it's, it's a much more holistic approach to how you want to grow as an individual and within your career. And, and as we were saying a little earlier, uh, one of the things that I, I try to tell people off the bat is that when you're out looking for a mentor, A, you need to find somebody that you identify with. And here's a, a, a little secret I'm going to put out there. A lot of times, the mentor that you're looking for may not even work at your company. They may not even do exactly the same thing that you do, but they have contacts, contacts, context and they have experience and they're able to leverage all of those to to impart to you some wisdom and some understanding. I mean the whole idea of having a good mentor around is to kind of help you not so much speed up the process of adulting and and of doing things a certain way, but it's it's to kind of help you become better at being a human being and, and, and being an individual that's able to bring something to the table at your current job in your current profession. And so I want to tell people right off the bat that sometimes you find people that you connect with that you resonate with, but then in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, well, he or she isn't an architect or he or she mm-hmm. isn't an engineer. So yep. I don't know that I could, I could lean on them. You're making a mistake. First of all, I'm going to tell you one of the biggest benefits of having a good mentor is that they're going to show you and help you develop more relationships. And in those relationships will lead to you being able to make connections with even other people. And I think that's important and we, we miss out on that. And so sometimes in firms and design firms, I've seen mentoring programs go awry because, you know, you, you create this forced environment where I'm going to put Sue with Bill mm-hmm. um, just because Bill's been here the longest and, I, I want Sue to work with them. Hey, they may might, might, might not even get along. They might not even gel. And I think it is important if you're going to have a mentor, it's got to be somebody that you respect. It has to be somebody that you can communicate with. And, and here's another thing. You, you need to be willing to be transparent with them. And if you, if you don't have that with people that you physically work with, then you need to find somebody outside of your company that can provide that type of sounding board and that type of relationship. Uh, and then a couple of other points about mentoring, if you're going to do a mentoring program or be a part of one, uh, if you are being mentored, eventually you will become a mentor. So take notes. Make sure that you respect the mentor's time. Make sure you always come prepared and have questions to ask of that individual so that you can glean something from them that will help you in doing the things that you're, you're doing. And then the other thing is to recognize that the mentor is not going to know everything. Mm-hmm. So you have you have to know that, and sometimes it's good to have maybe one or two mentors. And I have uh, I have I have somebody that speaks to me in my life on a personal level, and then I have two people that speak into my life on a professional level. 
And so I have a couple of people and um, I, 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 I don't think that there, it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. And if you're willing to be transparent and let people see your your vulnerable self and just share with them what your fears are, what your, your inhibitions are with regard to the work that you do with regard to your career and ultimately where you see yourself, be willing to share that. And it may require you saying something like, ah, I've, I've thought about getting out of architecture because of X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes those conversations are hard to have, but you, you've got to be in a safe place with a mentor where you know that, that, that those conversations will be respected that they will be listened to and that they will be responded to in a caring way that will help you as you continue to, to overcome whatever doubts you might have. Um, and we all have doubts. Let me, I mean, you have doubts, Michael, I've got doubts. Everybody listening to this has doubts. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it's, it's, um, it's something that doesn't, uh, doesn't affect us all. It really does. But I would say a really good mentor would, would, would really do well for you. And then if you can start mentoring, even start, even, even starting with a young, a young person, like I, I, I mentored some young people that weren't even 18 and that helped me develop my mentoring skills many years ago. And then of course I've mentored other people. So uh, that, you know, that were adults. And, and so I would say, for those of you that, that are looking for a mentor, find somebody that can speak into your life, that can give you some really good advi advice and guidance and help you make some connections and help you build real relationship. And in terms of you're paying it forward and you starting your road of being a mentor, start with some, some young people, you know, mm -hmm. big brother, big sister, something like that. Find a program in your neighborhood and your area where you can give back that way because that will help you hone that skill. And then before you know it, you'll be mentoring people in your employment and your, at your company. You'll be maybe be mentoring somebody else um, that, that, you know, is another professional. So it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, I, I would encourage you to get out there and do that. And, um, if it sounds like work, it is. Yeah. Uh, because it's not, it doesn't, you know what I'm saying? It's just not something where you can just phone it in. You've mm -hmm. got to be all in, but, but trust me, if you find a good mentor and you'll know, uh, it will, it will be the world of difference for you. I've had mentors that have introduced me to, from, from work perspectives, from, from a financial situation, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars in work and other opportunities that have presented themselves. But it's not, you know, of course, a mentor mentee relationship is not a quid pro quo like that, but that happens. Mm -hmm. You know, that's kind of like, to me, in my mind, that is, that is an additional benefit of those types of relationships, but that's not the goal. The goal isn't to have a mentor so that they can just help you get a better job or, you know, the goal is, is to find a mentor that can help you just to be a better person. Mm -hmm. And I think holistically, if you can become a better person, that's going to emanate in the work that you do. It's going to emanate in how you treat and communicate with individuals. Um, you'll be a better project manager. Uh, you'll be a better, uh, a better communicator internally with your colleagues. You'll be a better communicator externally with the client. Um, you won't have the problems that a lot of your other peers have that don't know how to manage those relationships. And you'll be a better active listener, which I think is really, really important. Yeah, I agree a thousand percent with everything. You, all of your beliefs around mentorship. Um, you know, I, I run a program, Randy, for that helps people study for their exams. And one of the things I really hammer on hard at the beginning of my program, before people get started, as I say, the be very best mentor you're going to have around passing your architect exams 
the best mentor you could get is someone who is not too far ahead of you in the same journey that you're currently undertaking. And I always tell people to just be open to working with other people and just have an open mind and the kind of the, the mentoring very naturally takes place just by asking people to just be open to it and acknowledging that you don't have to be too far along down this path to be helping other people figure stuff out. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You, that, and you bring up a good point as far as that's concerned. Cause a lot of times people are looking for somebody that's great, has gray hair and all that mm-hmm. other stuff, but they could just be four or five years down the line from you and yeah. provide you with more than enough to kind of get you through the process. So um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll go offline real quick. Anything else we should chat before we uh, wrap up with those questions? Uh, you know, I, I would certainly mention, um, I, I think that um, the, the group uh, that you guys are a part of, I think it's groups like that. People need to find those. They need to find their tribes within this space, right? Because I mean, a lot of times I, I, what I hear from design professionals a lot of times, and, and sometimes it's just, it's just by, by, by virtue of their own doing, they, they just feel alone in this and, and they really aren't. And so mm-hmm. when I got on that happy hour with you guys a couple of weeks ago, I realized I was like, wow, you know, this is really great because I mean, these guys are helping each other out. And, um, you know, and I think it, it speaks volumes um, to the wisdom that you guys have even at an early age. And I would just encourage people to look for their tribe within this space, right? Whether it's people that they graduated from yeah. our, our schools from with or hey, somebody Randy, else. Yeah. How could we, what would be a good question to kind of lead you into this topic? Um, I, I think that, I think the question I would, so basically I would say, what would you say to some of these young design professionals with regard to, um, you know, just, you know, not feeling like they're on an Island by themselves yeah. and that they're the only ones going through whatever they're going through. Perfect. And then that, that would be a nice tee up to me just kind of mentioning that. Yeah. So Randy, what advice would you give to a design, a younger design professional who's kind of feeling isolated and like they're on an island and they're, what the, the challenges that they're dealing with is kind of just them or, you know, just I, there's so much loneliness I feel sometimes in the <laughs> profession of architecture, especially with younger people. Yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. There really is. And I think that um, my simple advice would be, A, is just to remind everyone you're not by yourself. You are not an island uh, on your own and that you need to find your tribe. You need to find those that you resonate with both on a personal, but also on a professional level. And that's one of the reasons why I was really drawn to uh, what you we're doing Michael and with, with Adam and, and, and others are doing uh, with the, with the young architects group and, and, and with the, the couple of Facebook groups that I have witnessed online that have brought like-minded people together collectively to say, Hey, we're all in this together. So whatever you're going through, uh, I'm sure somebody else in this group has gone through and we can kind of help each other through the process. And like I said, nowadays with, with everybody embracing zoom and everybody embracing these, what we call virtual meetings or virtual happy hours, which, you know, I mean, there's like, there's like a happy hour every day now. I mean, right. It was, mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a lot harder to go to happy hour when you'd have to physically get in your car and go somewhere. Now it's like, Oh, I can have happy hour right in my office. And, and, uh, and that's it. But I think it's important to have those conversations. And I was just reminded, 
reminded of it when uh, when we met and I was on that happy hour with, I don't know, there must have been like 25 um, young architects and young design professionals on that Zoom call from all over all over the world, as a matter of fact. I think there mm-hmm. were a couple of people from Europe. So yep. I think it's important um, to embrace that and, and to recognize that you're not alone. And in doing that, taking the time to do that uh, will pay off dividends for you in terms of your ability to connect with others and also to really define your why. And and you need to understand that. And and I think a lot of times hearing what other people are doing and really what's motivating them can be a motivating factor for you as you continue to develop yourself. So I love it. Yep. So Randy, do you have any advice for aspiring architects? Oh man, yes. Um, always be learning. And, and I would say this, I would say this for sure. Start reading some, uh, some fiction, reading yeah. a little bit more fiction will help you out tremendously. Um, I, I talk about one of the things that I do is it's a leadership training for design professionals. And one of the areas that we talk about are the, is the role of routine and how important it is. Obviously, I'm not your mother, but everybody tells you or you've heard people say you've got to eat right. You've got to get a a good number of hours of sleep, whether that's seven or eight, depending on your chronotype. But then there's some other things that you need to be doing specifically. And so I I don't say reading uh, in a tongue in cheek manner. I'm actually serious. Like you really need to go to the library and get some books. It's really not as hard as you think. um, But you just need to start uh, because I think the reality is, is that as a society, for most of us, especially those of us, I think 59% of the people that when they graduate from college, never pick up a book again. And mm-hmm. I'm like, it's just amazing. So yeah, pick up a good book and it definitely pick up a good um, fiction book uh, that will help you out. I would also say it would encourage you to uh, learn to journal a little bit because that will help you process your thoughts and emotions as you deal with situations that, that you'll encounter in life and at work. Um, so writing, uh, so reading and writing are really huge and it sounds very fundamental, but it's, 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 it's less, it's not as practiced as much as you would think it is. So those would be two of the areas that I would really focus on. And then from there, what I think will surface from the reading of whatever you're reading and also from the writing, a lot of things will kind of, will kind of come up there. And the last thing that I'll, I'll mention is make sure that you're taking some, make sure that you are taking time for yourself every day, not just on the weekends. Um, yeah, I get it that sometimes, you know, uh, you've got a project that you've got to get out the door and, you know, you're working hard, you're burning the midnight oil, but you've got to take some time for yourself. I do it. I've got a wife and three, three boys that are eating me out of house and home, but I make sure that I take an hour to an hour and a half for myself every morning you could start off with just 10 minutes, but you need to build that up and you need to take time for yourself. Nobody else is going to do it. Nobody else is going to sh- throw you a lifeline when it comes to that. And you'll never be the best version of yourself without self-care. And in my mind, self-care starts with you taking time for yourself, not for your spouse, not for your significant other or anybody else, for you. Start with that and build upon it. I love it. So what do you know today that you didn't know back then? <laughs> well, um, man, so I think the thing that I know today that I didn't know back then was that this is really a long journey. 
Um, I am 50. So I'm obviously older than you. I'm older than a lot of your audience, but I'm not that old. And, <laughs> and, and what I'm realizing at 50 is that I still have a long road to go. And so I, the one thing I wish my 25-year-old or even 30-year-old self knew was to just take your time and enjoy the, 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 enjoy the journey. Because, you know, a lot of times in this day and age, we look at people that are hyper successful and that have achieved success at an early age. And those are anomalies more than anything else. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg, all these people that have achieved success under 25 and have just like, I mean, they're shooting stars. But even shooting stars fade, you want to be something that, that, that lasts. And I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting that Mike, Mark Zuckerberg's not going to last because Facebook's going to be around. He's got billions of dollars to show for it. That's great. But I mean, as far as you're concerned, as far as I'm concerned, my simple advice would be to take your time right now. Enjoy the journey and, and recognize that even for some of you looking at something that, that, that has the... Um, the propensity to maybe last two or three years, and that may seem like eternity, it isn't. In the grand scheme of things, it isn't. So just enjoy this part of the journey. Um, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to do some dumb stuff mm-hmm. uh, or dumb shit, as I, I don't know if you are cursing on this, but oh, dumb, yeah. Fuck yeah. dumb shit, as I like <laughs> to say, you know, it's okay, right? We all pay our stupid tax. We all pay it, but, but, but you have to embrace it and move on from there. Uh, and not allow it to define who you are. And so if there was one thing that I wish somebody had told me uh, back when I was 25, it would be that. It's a long road. It's a long road. And then you'll hit 50 and then you'll realize, oh crap, I still got a lot more to do because that's how I feel. And I I have plans for the next half of my life. You know, I don't know if I want to live to 100, but whatever. The bottom line is I'm all in. And, and, and I, and I got to say that at each generation and each um, at, at level of age that you get to, there's just going to be new revelations that you're going to have where you're like, oh my gosh, you're just going to see things differently. So just embrace the journey and don't rush it. Awesome. So what's one book that changed everything for you? Uh, actually, I, can I, can I mention two? So yeah. I mentioned, I mentioned, so I mentioned something earlier that I said to you, I thought was really good. This wasn't like transformational, but it's just something as a reminder that we can't take what we know to the grave with us. We have mm-hmm. to impart it to other people. So there's a really great book, uh, especially for design firm professionals, critical knowledge transfer. It's uh, tools for managing your company's deep smarts. It's by Dorothy Leonard. Um, you, it's a hard book to find, but it's from the Harvard Business Review. Okay. But it's called Critical Knowledge Transfer. If you, if anybody, your audience can get a hold of that book, I would read it and then start connecting with the people in their firms that that have all of the great information and knowledge and experience, and um, and the, you know, just get get that knowledge because you don't want that to leave your firm when they leave. You want to be able to take it and have it passed on to you and to other people uh, in your t- on your team. the The next book is "The Big Leap" by Gay Hendricks. Oh yeah, that's, yeah. How that's to conquer your hidden fear and take life to the next level. A good friend of mine, Cliff Ravenscraft, recommended that book to me, and uh, I read it. I sat down like in an afternoon and just knocked it out. And uh, that book has really been helpful for me to kind of distill truly what's important. And, uh, and so that, that's just a really good book that I, that I, it's one of my go-to books. And then, uh, of course, well, not of course, but for me, Viktor Frankl 
man's search for meaning is uh, is kind of a game changer. It wrecked me um, from the minute that I opened it till I shut the book. And um, and, and I had always heard people talking about it, and I was like, ah, what's this book? And I, you know, I, I was a, I studied history in school. I studied over in Germany. I studied actually, I studied Gothic and Romanesque architecture for mm-hmm. a while over in Germany. And so I spent a lot of time throughout Southern Germany, North Germany. I, I went to most of the concentration camps, but reading that book. Um, really gave me a different appreciation for life, period. And and he just breaks it down. And there's been a ton of quotes from the book, but just a really, really amazing, um, just an amazing book um, that really gets you to focus more and recognize what's important in life. <clears throat> Love it. So what's your favorite resource product or gadget that you can't live without? So, and you said, you said it couldn't, couldn't be a phone or something like that. So my favorite gadget lately um, has been my, um, and this is going to be a little geeky, but my H6 handy recorder from Zoom. Okay. And it's because I'm a podcaster. So I've been podcasting for a while now, but my H6 handy recorder goes wherever I go and I use it to, because I'm an audiophile. So I like good audio Mm -hmm. and I use it to capture sounds. I use it to capture my thoughts and I use it to do podcast interviews when I'm on the road and I'm interviewing somebody face to face. So that's kind of like my go-to and I'm looking at it right now. It's sitting here on my desk and I don't know what I would do without it. It is, it is a beautiful machine. I know. It can do some amazing things. It, so. it looks like it's like a taser gun or something. It does. It really, it really does. A, it's it just really an audio does. recorder. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And, and so I do some consulting in the area of podcasting and people are like, well, what should I get? And I always tell them, I'm like, listen, you don't need a huge board. You don't need any of this stuff. The H6 will do it all. Yeah. Uh, and you can control your level. So it's just, it's just that's my go-to tool right now. Yeah. Yeah. So architects are notoriously bad with time. I was wondering if Randy had any good time-saving tricks. Absolutely. Um, I follow and I talk about, when I talk about the role of routine, one of the things that I talk about is how time is the one thing that we can never get back if we waste it, mm-hmm. right? People can always, like, if you can fail, you fail financially, you can bounce back. But time, we can't. We can't get that back. So I've encouraged people to, A, understand what period of their day they're the most, um, you know, there are periods of, of our day where we are the most responsive and we get the most amount of work done. This idea that you can come to work at eight and work, work till five and be at the top of your game the whole time is BS. Doesn't mm-hmm. work that way. Yep. Um, Cal Newport talks about deep work. Um, there are a bunch of folks out there that have talked about it uh, that will help you to kind of identify it. But I have looked at and utilized the Pomodoro method, method for a period of time now, a long time. And so um, uh, Pomodoro was a guy out of, uh, out of Italy back in the 90s that developed this method. And it's essentially to time block the work that you do. So I work for 25 minutes and I take a five minute break. I work for 25 minutes and I take a five minute break. I do that for four four phases. So it's a total of uh, two hours. And I, you know, I, I work in two hour blocks of time where I get hyper-focused. And in that time, I take five minutes every 25 minutes. So it's, it's 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes. And I used, I use a timer to keep track of my time. So when the time is up, I know when to stop. And I, when 25 minutes is up, I stop. 
and I just I just focus on something else for a minute because our brains are not wired to hyper focus on something for a very very long period of time, but but we what we're we're more efficient at is that if we can get more deeper work done in a shorter period of time, I think we can become more we can become more effective at the work that we do. And I have since instituting the Pomodoro method, which anybody can look it up, and I actually use an app on my phone. Um, that 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 helps me out with that, and that that's also worth taking. It's called Focus Keeper. Mm-hmm. It is a free app, and I use that on my phone to keep track of the Pomodoro, my Pomodoro method, and how I follow it. And so, my goal every day is to get four hours of concentrated work done, and I do it in two-hour blocks where I'll take time. I'll take a thirty-minute break after that first two hours, and then I'll jump into it because I do about five hours worth of day of hard, hard work. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of it, you know, I, you know, is whatever I'm doing. So it just depends. Let me ask you a question about the Pomodoro, Randy, is I've, I've used it in the past and it's been profoundly helpful. It's actually got into it when I was studying for my exams. One of the things I've learned though, is sometimes, you know, the 20 minutes, we get to the end of the 20 minutes and I got to take a break for five minutes. I had, sometimes I feel like I'm so in the zone, in the flow that I have a hard time stopping and make forcing myself to take that five minute break. Have you yeah. experienced that? Uh, a little, but, but, you know, I, I, I try to, to stay true to the process because mm-hmm. I think that it, 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 it is right. It's hard. It's hard as adults. We have a hard time focusing. Your brain will play, play a trick on you to make you think that you're focusing, yeah. but it's almost like when you're reading a book and you end up, you know what it's like. You're in a, a loud place or you're in a place where you're trying to focus and you end up reading that same sentence six times and you're like, holy crap. You just, you don't realize it. And then after a while, you're like, I'm not getting anywhere here. And it's like running in quicksand. Um, I think that's why I think it's good for you to step away and then come back because then it's like fresh eyes. Let me, you know, let me see what's next and kind of go from there. So, yeah, I have seen that and I've experienced it, but I have also stayed true to the process uh-huh. and it has, it has paid off, I think, more so than, than it has led me astray. Cool. So, Randy, what's the best way for someone listening to connect with you further? Oh man! Uh, well, yeah, I'd love to hear from folks. Uh, um, I, I can be reached on any social media at Randy Wilburn. That's just R A N D Y W I L B U R N. So um, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter at Randy Wilburn. I can also be reached uh, at my email is Randy R A N D Y at Encourage Build Grow. So it's the common spelling of all those names put together all those words put together, encouragebuildgrow.com. And that's my website, encouragebuildgrow.com. So you can check me out there. And I'm also on LinkedIn, Randy Wilburn. So I'm, I'm easy to connect with in a multitude of ways. My number's out there. You can just reach out if you have a question. I, I, I love more than anything talking to design professionals and, and being given the chance to remind them of how important their role is in our society. Um, and, and what they what they do really matters. And a lot of times, I think a lot of people that are listening in your audience, they have to be reminded of that. I think it's good to remind them of that. And I don't think they get that reminder enough from the people that they work with, especially the firm leaders and owners of the companies that they work for. Not saying that they not saying that all people don't do that. I'm just saying a lot don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think we need to continue to celebrate um, the amazing things that you guys are able to do. Awesome.
Randy, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I've had such a great time just, mm. just learning more about you and your passion for mentorship and your enthusiasm for the next generation of architects. And so Absolutely. thank you. Thank yeah. you for, for doing what you do. Well, Michael, it certainly has been my pleasure. And again, I think you are, you are an inspiration as well in terms of what you've done uh, and what you've been able to do in the last decade, I think is phenomenal. And I think if anybody should do anything, they should look at the example that you've set with how you have not, you know, you have not let anybody define you as just an architect and you've looked at other ways to add value to this community and you're doing it. So I applaud you and I, I'm glad that I got introduced to you. I had heard of your podcast before, uh, but then I went back and I listened. I, I, I kind of go through these phases where I'll binge mm-hmm. listen. So I binge listened to a bunch of them while out on a couple of runs and uh, you're doing great things. And I, I would encourage people, if you're just discovering this podcast, go back, listen to every episode. Um, it, there's, there's some real nuggets in there, some, some real good value and some great information. And, um, that was one of the things that we didn't have in 97. When I got into this industry, we didn't Mm -hmm. have podcasts. We didn't have YouTube, Mm -hmm. none of that. Now you have everything. So, I mean, there's a lot of great information out there and there may be somebody listening to this that will start doing what you're doing and provide their own spin on things. And and there's, there's room for that. Right. So I I think that's, that's really great, but now man, keep doing what you're doing. And I'm certainly honored to be a part of, of your community and to share with them, but uh, I'm certainly accessible and available to anyone that wants to chat. And uh, I appreciate you, man. Thank you. 